Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is Season 4. Welcome, returning listeners. And uh, if you've never listened to the show before, hello. I'm also saying hello to the returning listeners as well, because I'm, uh, I'm a good guy. Alright, listen, today on the show is Gunship. we got Gunship here for the season premiere of Beyond Synth. You guys all know who Gunship is. They are pretty cool. A few of them former members of the band Fightstar. But um, I just realized, having listened back to the interview, that I never asked them any question about that at all. So if you're coming here for Fight Star answers, you're not going to get them. Don't forget, Beyond Synth is on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Power85.com. And uh, there's a replay on Saturdays, so if you miss the show... And you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't be awake at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday. Well, guess what? The show replays Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Some easy afternoon listening or early evening listening or evening listening, depending on your time zone or morning, I guess. This is a silly tangent. Please follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last. That is the official Beyond Synth Twitter account uh, where you can get all updates on the show and cool stuff like that and uh, the facebook page please like the facebook page it makes me feel good inside facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast and of course the soundcloud page where the episodes are posted the next week so if you can't make it to the live broadcast at 8 p.m eastern thursday nights and you can't make it to the Saturday replay, 1 p.m. on Saturdays. Then you can still make it to the SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash beyond hyphen synth, which is where all the episodes get posted and where they stay for uh, for your enjoyment. And of course, if you read the description of the episode, you will have the artist links. So if you're listening to the show and you're like, oh man, what's that song? Uh, check the SoundCloud and you will see the band that you thought was cool. And you can then go and uh, listen to their music and give them your money. Also, on Power85.com, there is a show you should check out Friday nights called Project Friday, hosted by Steve. And it is a uh, music countdown type show. Well, it's not really a countdown. He had a countdown in the new year. It's just a show where lots of music gets played. I know some people tune into this show, and although we do play a lot of music, this is uh, essentially an interview program, so there is a lot of talking. So sometimes I will get the occasional comment of someone that's like, how come there's so much talking? And I want to sarcastically say, did you not read the description of the show? But I'm not that kind of guy. Although, by making this comment just now, I basically did that. Steve's show on Friday nights is uh, basically just a music radio show. So if you like Synthwave and you don't want it interrupted too much by my voice, what? <laughs> which is probably everybody, um, 
check it out. It's a good time. And you can also follow um, at Power85Radio, which is the Twitter account for the uh, the station, and also at Project Friday FM, and that's the Twitter account for the Project Friday show. And I think that's the one Steve wants you to follow. All right, so listen, we have a nice, compact show today, all right? It's going to be pretty much all gunship. I'm going to play one song right now. I was sent this before the new year, so I've, I've a lot of people have sent me music over the break, and I'm going to get to it over the next few weeks. Um, but this was a cool track, all right? So I was sent this by um, by a person who represents Magic Sword and said, hey, you know, he did this remix of... Uh, there's this uh, artist called Scattle, and um, there was a little remix EP that was put out of the song Level 2, and there's remixes by Magic Sword and Makeup and Vanity Set, and I think even Dan Terminus has one on there. And he said, hey, check this out, man. It'd be cool if you played a track. So I'm going to play now. This is uh, Scattle's Level 2. Scattle is the, the artist's name. And this is the Magic Sword Remix.
And that was level two, the Magic Sword Remix by Scattle. That's a lot of words, and that's uh, that's an EP. I think is it out? I'm assuming it's out. I hope so. Anyway, there's going to be links posted, so you can check those out. Uh, in the meantime, let's now get to my chat with Gunship, and I'll catch you all on the flip side. Alrighty, okay, I'm here with Gunship, which is Dan Haig, Alex Westaway, and Alex Gingell. How are you guys doing? How are you? Thanks, how are you doing? Did I do it right? You did it right. Okay. (laughs) You always do it right. Thanks. (laughs) So, man, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're right in the afternoon slump. (laughs) Yeah. So how often do you guys get together and... uh, do music stuff well we work we, we've got a, a company uh horsey in the hedge so we're pretty much like see each other every day like doing bits and bobs and stuff and music we just fit in wherever we can really like every other day type of thing we'll have a bit of a fiddle around show each other our ideas and stuff but it's 24 7 dude there's no escape. Yeah, yeah but you are talking to three very erotic gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we keep it intimate for the benefit of the listener, and not me, because I, I am a professional, maybe each of you say your name so that the listener knows who's talking. I mean, not every time, just right now. Do like a little name. Okay, like little... I'm Dan Haig. Okay, you're Dan. <laughs> You've gone fuck. No, that's not funny. <laughs> that was Alex. Angel. Oh, okay, this, this is Dan. Hi, I'm Dan. How would you describe your voice versus the other voices? A bit cunty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about the most accurate description I've ever heard of Dan. <laughs> um, I'm Alex Westaway. I'm, I have a bit more of a nasal kind of voice, I suppose. I do a bit of singing. And I'm I'm Alex Gingell, and uh, I don't know, just just booming manly kind of voice. Okay, so from what I gather, see, I'm trying to. <laughs> now you're 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 like this sort of parallel look is set, right? There's three of you, except their voices are slightly more distinct. I don't think we've got quite as smooth voices. Okay, so Alex G. That's right. You sound like you have the deepest voice, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so I will be able to tell you. Now okay. I'm trying to distinguish between Dan and Alex here. Because you're both the same distance okay. from the microphones as well. Yeah. From the mic, so it's <laughs> so I'm trying, there's a bit of room I'm I'm wrestling with as well. I just want to make sure everything's clear for everybody. That's the most important thing. Because uh, we're not ever gonna talk about the music, we're just gonna focus on your different voices for an hour. Okay, dude. Well we'll do our best to be ourselves as hard as possible. I see now it's like was that was that Alex G? Yeah, yeah you, was. Got you got it. You got it. This is going to be a big game with me the whole time, like just trying to figure out who the fuck's talking. I'm happy okay. you guys are here. We're well, happy dude, to be here. We dig what you're doing, man. Like, uh, you know, I think a scene needs a hub, and Beyond Synth is a cool hub. You're a fantastic hub. Did you do yeah. have an exclusive here? <laughs> <laughs> dude, you, you, you do have an exclusive here, because this is the first gunship interview we've ever actually done. There's audio, yeah. Because I have seen some some print ones. Probably the last. Oh, one. print ones. Yeah, yeah. We've never we've never spoken. We've never done spoken word. You should do spoken word poetry. Yeah, a little Will Shatner style. What I classify as research is just reading other interviews that people have done with you. Yeah, that's the the extent of my, of my research. But what did you discover, yeah. dude? Do tell. Uh, nothing. 
<laughs> it was a wasteland. It was just a barren wasteland. People love the gunship. Gunships all over the place. Gunships showed up out of nowhere and all of a sudden had like all these music videos and articles and Nerdist and all this stuff uh, talking about gunships. So how did that happen? Well, where to begin? I guess, should we do a potted history of us? Well, sure. I, I, yeah. Answering the question is always a good start. Okay, man. Well, <laughs> we'll try. So we've known each other for a long, long time and have been involved in various projects together. We all met at school and at that time we played in bands but in different bands um, and Alex W and myself this is Dan by the way we were in <laughs> rock bands okay but Al G and myself we had like an interest in video games and we were part of like the very early beginnings of the mod scene so we were working on like additional maps for like Doom Doom 2 Duke 3D and then ultimately Quake and we started like a little company to do like mod development for games together so, like, on the one hand, I was working with Al G on game stuff, and then Al W, we were kind of operating in similar circles musically, but we also skateboarded a lot together. Which is kind of like, it's, nothing's really changed. It's like all creative irons in the fire. Uh, and then as we grew up, like, our kind of group of friends, we were all ended up in something in media, more or less. So, our other really good friend, um, shout out to Philip Koch, or Bastian Koch, as he's known now, who... Um, now works at ILM did all the Transformers modeling and stuff like that uh, my other good friend Henry he's worked on Sin City and all that kind of stuff so we, we had like from games we went also into post-production and that's how we have our company now we do you know feature film post-production as well as music videos and, <coughs> and this kind of thing sorry did you say that guy's last name was Cock? yeah he's Dutch he's I can't wait to play this thing. I'm just thinking about that guy's childhood now, man. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, he was a big kid as well, with like a beard very early on. Mm. He was a hairy Overdeveloped, cock. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what, what was the question, dude? Well, it was just about how, how you guys got started. But listen, we're going to listen to a track now. Just to, to kick the ball off, in case people don't know who Gunship is, Gunship makes uh, a lot of great music. So we're going to listen to a track, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about... Basically, my question was, there seemed to be this, 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 this momentum that came out of nowhere when Gunship sort of popped up. And it was just like, oh wow, like Gunship's... It just felt like it was really big, you know? Like it just started, you know, like out of the gate with a lot of stuff. I think kind of what Dan was driving at is that like we basically spent the last 15 or 20 years working in all kinds of different areas from sort of like filmmaking and post-production to you know these guys obviously were musicians for a long time um you know there's a little bit of science mixed in there there's kind of like appreciation of like graphical art so we've kind of been doing all this kind of stuff for years and when it came time to do gunship it's like all all of that experience in, in all those different areas kind of informed it and so anytime we want to make a music video you know we're bringing our kind of like filmmaking and our kind of special effects background to bear on it and, and we all just want to kind of like do the best we can in all all the areas associated with the band so you know whether it's like coming up with um like good concepts of videos and trying to execute them in original ways and, and never kind of trying to do the same thing twice which is why you see kind of you know there's stop motion animation there's like we're doing game engine kind of videos uh, and there'll be some live action stuff coming soon so we're just kind of trying to keep everything fresh and 
just bring all of our kind of interests and experience to everything that we do that's connected to the band. So. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. No, and it's definitely like really cool stuff. So let's let's listen to a track now. We're going to listen to a track called, this is the, well, the star of the album. This is my favorite track, but it's called The Mountain. And, uh, and we'll be back with some more Gunship.
right, and that was The Mountain by Gunship. And I am uh, joined by Gunship. They are here with me today. It's Dan and... Uh, and his two droogs, that is Alex Westaway, <laughs> Alex Gingel. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, so this track is awesome. And uh, I've actually been listening to this one on a loop. Cool. Thinking how I would use it in a show. This is what I do. Like, I, I, I've always had sort of like that cinematic musical brain where uh, when a song really resonates with me, it's because I'm picturing the visuals that it would go with that would be really cool. Yes, dude. That's exactly the goal and uh and this track's great and so is it um is it about uh gregor clegane from game of thrones or, or what <laughs> it is now yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> game of thrones is awesome yeah. we could just do the rest of this on game of thrones yeah it's a pretty awesome show i mean it's okay <laughs> it's not as good as the books <laughs> winter's been coming for 20 years man. <laughs> So who, um, in this song, who is the, uh, there's some female vocals going on, so who's that? That is a young lady called Lou Hater. She is the singer from the hit teen beat combo, The New Sins, I believe is her current act. And she also did a record with the guy from Air. And she was in New Young Pony Club. Yeah, I New Young Pony Club. Was before. But but she was cool. We, we, kind of, we kind of wanted like um, some female vocals on the record from the start and so uh, and kind of went through a, a few different girls. I don't know. We we can. <laughs> do, you, do you have your producer hat on there on the yeah. casting couch? To, uh... They would come and do a song and it'd be awesome, and then they wouldn't want to come back again. <laughs> <laughs> so we had hence there's like three different girls on the record, but no, she was cool. Lou is very very cool, very talented. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a, it's a really catchy hook. I mean, I think uh, one of your guys' strengths is um, some really catchy fucking chorus hooks, and this one is great. Uh, I really, really, really dig this one. Thanks, what? man. Oh, you touched on something else there, like the, the atmosphere. That really resonated with me. I don't, it's like, obviously, we have, I mean, we have a history of being in other bands and, and writing different kinds of music, but it's like, that's the beauty of Synthwave, I think, what drew us. Well, definitely me to it in the first place is this is this thing that you can create such a vibrant sense of place and time and tone you know and it's for me like I think Trent Reznor said this once and, and I, I really latched onto it he was like when I sit down to write a song it's like I'll start with the sound and it's the sound that informs the direction of the writing mm-hmm. the feel and tone of it but like if you speak to any a songwriter that's worth a damn they'll tell you that a good song you know should just be able to work on an acoustic guitar with like a vocal hook you know but like that's never been the case for me it's always been driven by atmosphere tone and the the kind of you know what i'm driving at like yeah no i I think i even had this conversation with somebody i mean like i like i mess around making music stuff but it's all ridiculous but i know that feeling of dude let's not not bed shopping bed shopping was (laughs) a fucking killer hook well that ended up becoming titty what is it yeah titty night in the I've written a lot of titty songs, but anyways. I was gutted when you changed it, because bed shopping was a winner. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I have, um, well, because I, I, I'm not good, so so I have very little confidence in, in, in my songwriting or vocals, and the only way that the confidence increases is the stupider the song is. And it's a really weird thing that I've actually measured, like, where my voice will actually get worse as the lyrics become more genuine. <laughs> I think it's good, dude. I think you should do a serious track. It'll never... Take it. No, I can't I'm do it. Notes. 
<clears throat> I can't do it. Like my voice actually gets better the second I insert the word titties into the song. It's it, anyway. <laughs> but the thing, uh, but I had that conversation with somebody how like you can look at a, at a blank screen, uh, you know, in, in a in a DAW or whatever, and and just sit there hitting one note and then going through the samples and hitting a note and hitting a note, and then you just hit on a sample that just it's just it just the sound is just oh wow. And then it just informs the whole song. Like, you just make a song because you heard a cool sound. Or in in certain cases, like, w- when I did that thing with Joe, uh, that Titty song, it's like, he wrote the simplest fucking bass line. But it was like, because it was someone else's, you know, when you have that sort of collaborative thing, sometimes you just need to be kickstarted, and that can be a synth. That can be, su- like, a beat, and whether or not you lay it down. But, you know what I mean? So, like, that's... Yeah, yeah. That it makes it, like, automatic, right? Yeah. It's and like found- Alistair Crowley. Sorry, I keep talking over you, dude. No, I don't, that's I don't fine. <laughs> no, you go, you go, you go. This is technically your interview, but... Um, but that's, that is beyond synth, right? We just got to get as much Andy in there as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I just find that it's... Uh, whatever sort of kickstarts the creative process, and I guess when you're, you know, you're always with yourself, I mean, if it's kickstarted by sounds or tones or whatever, and then when you're in a sort of collaborative situation, other people can sort of do that for you and sort of say hey here's this and and for me i find when i tried to write my own stuff i would i would always be blocked like i would write a thing and then i just couldn't come up with vocals to it the second i hear somebody else's song like without vocals i can instantly come up with a hook and and lyrics and all this stuff just because i didn't do the music yeah but of course no one wants my lyrics because they're always about titties What was that dude, um, who, that occultist who used to hang around with the Beatles? Alice, Alistair Crowley? Like he, he said, like, he wrote his, like, all his books on magic or whatever. He credited it to, like, being auto-written. So, like, he would start it and then something would, like, use him as a vessel and, like, write through him. Is that how you feel? Yeah, totally. With synth stuff. That's exactly how I feel. I don't even think about it. It's just this, the tone and the atmosphere. So... Back to this this track quick. So the, uh, when you guys were talking before about, um, you know, your movie making and the sort of background and stuff like this. So this video was done with the GTA movie maker, right? Like from Grand Theft Auto V? Yeah, it's the PC version when they released that. Who put that video together? So we worked with um, a team of guys who collectively go by 8-Bit Bastard. Yeah. Or is it 8-Bit Bastards? 8-Bit Bastard, I think. Right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all bastards and they're all 8-bit. <laughs> yeah, no, they're a really, really cool group of guys who kind of like, you know, just were at the top of that the chain when it came to kind of who who we could kind of collaborate with on on something like that. Yeah. This is a classic case of seeing... I, I think they did the official um, trailer for the tech on the PC version. It was like that. Right. It was like uh, the running yeah. video. Right. I forget what the it's Running called. Man. Running Man, that's yeah. right. And um, we'd, we'd wanted, obviously, like, we have a history in games as well, always wanted to do something in a game engine. And we were actually going to do the video with um, someone else, actually. I think at the time we were talking to um, Jason Eisner, who, who's, like, this cool dude who did um, Hobo with a Shotgun. And, you know, he, he totally gets the whole thing. But due to, like, scheduling conflict or, or maybe just thought we were terrible individuals. Like, yeah, it, it didn't work out, but... So then, like, we saw that and was like, this is the perfect opportunity. Reached out to the guys. We collaborated on the on the whole thing conceptually. And then they just literally went away and kicked ass. I mean, like, everything in that had to be, like... I'm sure you've tinkered with it, maybe. But, like, you know, it's like there's 
you've got to do everything in real time you've got to get lots of people in yeah. there and the like, whole thing is on live servers as well so like there, there's like members of the public like trying <laughs> trying to grief them while they're filming it you <laughs> right, know and right. it's like it's like literally like some of those shots are like four hour setup get one shot and then <laughs> like the shot where the um and they're in the tunnel and you get the the two cars do the kind of loop the loop in the tunnel they've been setting that up for hours and then they're just about to kind of go for it and the like the, the train starts coming and they hadn't planned that at all and they're like oh screw it let's just go for it and they managed to get that in one take yeah. where they kind of do that like loop the loop <laughs> around the train on the first take <laughs> on the first take yeah so then you it was you guys that came up with the concept like you say, like it's about this dude, this like lone dude, and you see him as an old man and stuff. The genesis of that video was actually it was going to be live action, like like Dan was kind of getting at. We we kind of wanted to do this kind of like cyberpunk thing, um, and we had like a whole treatment written out that was going to be filmed live action. But this is the thing about us: we're always like overly ambitious, and everything we do balloons into some kind of monumental undertaking and uh, we were trying to get this live action video done on a shoestring budget and it was just proving like really difficult and eventually it kind of fell through and we're just like if we just did this in a game engine I mean we cut so many corners as far as like you know these ridiculous kind of set pieces you know Mm -hmm. that was the idea of then sort of segueing into like a game engine of course that that brings its own kind of you know troubles um, but yeah, I think it worked out quite well in the end. So yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a cool video. Let's um, let's talk about another track. All right, we're gonna listen to a little song now called "Revel in Your Time," and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Are you comfortable with talking about that song? Do you remember it? No fucking way, bro. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here is a uh, here is "Revel in Your Time" by Gunship.
And that was Revel in Your Time by Gunship. And uh, I'm joined by the, the three lovely gentlemen from Gunship. And uh, we're having a lovely day. Is that correct to say that? <laughs> it's very mild in England, dude. Very winter. Mild. The man said on the box, the audiovisual box, he said that the ice rinks in London had melted. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some shitty ice rinks. <laughs> Right now, I'm in a small town that's away from the city, which is also away from the city's dome of, of pollution that uh, warms the city a few degrees warmer than, <laughs> than yeah. here. And it was actually snowing. We had snow, but today it's raining. So I actually think I have, like, uh, England weather today. Nice gray sky. Sucks to be you, man. That's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not... Uh, I don't care. So let's talk about this song, man. Uh, one thing I noticed, which was a little fun, was... Um, the the vocals in this just for the one specific line kind of reminded me of the cure oh uh, awesome. uh you know the the i would kill to be with you part just that just that specific line cool i don't know what it was but like the the cadence of the voice yeah. it was like that would kill to be with you and i was just like that reminded me of the cure well that's a nice that's an awesome compliment dude thanks <laughs> uh yeah because we we all like them and stuff so yeah, is this uh is this about uh, Tyrell chatting with Roy Batty? You got the reference, dude. Yeah. I've seen Blade Runner. <laughs> it's funny, that. It's surprising for a synthwave dude. <laughs> Would you believe that I like it? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, it's, it, this was cool. So the music video for this one, which sort of looked like an old PC game, were you guys working on this, or was this, like, outsourced to some other nerds? Or? <laughs> was that well, it? I- is that a hostile sounding question? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> um, we worked with this dude. Yeah, it's it's down to the genius of a guy called Jason Tamameji. And um, basically, we wanted to do, like, we're all big fans of pixel art, we, you know, since back in the day of Monkey Island. And yeah, all the LucasArts games. All the LucasArts games. And um, we had kind of an idea that we were going to do um, a video for every track, like a lyric video for every track on the album that was just going to go up on YouTube. And um, it was just going to be kind of like some some simple pixel art scenes, and then through each video they would tell a story, and it was just going to have like this coherent kind of like pixel art version of the entire album. What ended up happening was that Jason got kind of so carried away, it, it just became too awesome for that, and we decided that it had to be a video in its own right. So that's how that's how Revel the Revel video came about, basically. Yeah, Jason, he absolutely. I mean, that's real pixel art yeah i mean that's super painstaking pixel by pixel kind of work well definitely like it's it's a it's cool they're all cool i mean like i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say the same thing every time we talk about one like yep yeah, it's a cool video <laughs> did he did he like monkey island dude were you a fan back in the day i wasn't a big pc gamer like we had a pc and i played just when that's all we had but i the game i played that i liked was um because I never really got into like those King's Quest or Space Quest games where you you know you type in the sentences sure. to do uh, to do actions and stuff. And there was this game it was like the first Tex Murphy game, and it was like he's like a space detective, uh, and you have a flying car. Like it's inspired by Blade Runner, but I didn't know that at the time. And uh, it was on three fucking discs, and uh, it was one of those every time you'd go visit somebody, you'd have to like put another disc in. <laughs> I, I think that game just blew my mind because it had real pictures, so they used like real pictures. I think eventually the Tex Murphy game sort of became. Remember in like the '90s, there was those PC games that tried to fuse like live action footage 
Yeah, yeah. full motion video. It was the buzzword. Yeah, there's a Phantasmagoria and then right. the, oh, yeah, yeah. the Wolf one. Uh, fucking anyway. So it, it be, the franchise became that, but it started out as like it would just have this simple picture. But it was it just blew my mind like that there was like a picture in a game. And I just liked it because you you could uh, have conversations with people, and if you said the wrong things, like they'd shoot you, and then the game would be over. Kind of like real life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I never really played uh, those sorts of things. I was always a console gamer at heart. We're familiar with your love for GoldenEye, dude. We're going to berate you on your on your lack of Doom deathmatch playing. Because for us, like we, you know, we used to when the whole GoldenEye thing kicked off, it was like, yes, this is fun group activity, but. You guys don't know what Doom Deathmatch is like. You're, you're missing out on like the holy grail of, of sit down and play with your mates. You know. The thing is, I'm fully aware of like my tastes and stuff, and so uh, for me, sometimes there can be um, like the same exact game. I like to say with a different coat of paint. Meaning, uh, you know, you could I could play Call of Duty and be like, oh, I don't want to play this. I don't like stupid army men. And then literally play the exact same engine, the exact same levels, but all of a sudden, if all the guys were running around in tuxedos, I would like the game more. <laughs> because it's now in my wheelhouse. The same way that I can play a game that's okay, pop on some synthwave music, and all of a sudden, it's a better game. Because it's it's more in line with, uh, with my personal tastes and stuff. And so Doom... It's one of those things where, like, I didn't do much LAN, you know, online playing. And so I know that there's there's always going to be those contingents of people who are just, like, the things that excite anybody. It's like, yeah, well, that was in a game fucking ten years ago, idiot. You know, like, I was excited about the <laughs> sniper rifle and Goldeneye. That's why I bought the game. You know, like, I was so excited because you could have a sniper rifle. And then I read cool. all the forums about people like, they just stole that from MDG or whatever the fuck that game was I never played. And it's like, yeah, but you know, but this is James Bond, man. Like, you know, like, I don't care. Like, I like Doom, and I played the shit out of Doom when I was a kid. Like, I did like Doom. And I remember having to install Doom 2, and it was on six discs. All my memories involved the amount of discs that the games were. (laughs) And I I was so excited because the double-barrel shotgun in Doom 2, just the... Like, just the sound and when it cocked and stuff. I loved all that stuff. Um... But, uh, you know, James Bond, man. I like running around with, like, a square head and a weird picture of Pierce Brosnan kind of, like, <laughs> stretched over it. Atmosphere is important. <laughs> the bottom line is we all had fun. Right? Is that- We've all got stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you were talking before about your company, Horse in the Hedge, so that's, that's the game. Like, explain your company in detail to me. I don't understand it. Neither do we, really. <laughs> Basically, it all came about, um, you know, we, we were, I guess, like... We must have been like 15 or 16 and we're kind of like you know like all kids you get you get your first sort of like camcorder or whatever and you're just immediately out there making films with your friends and I think like one of the first films we ever did was um, just kind of like the obligatory I guess it's quite timely like a Star Wars kind of thing where we were fighting with sticks and we'd go in and like rotoscope them like frame by frame to like uh, turn them into lightsabers and mm-hmm. um, back in those days it was even more painstaking than it would be today and um, we just literally spent a week Dan and I sat in a room drawing lightsabers <laughs> literally like hours and hours every day and just went absolutely nuts and um, you know you know when cabin fever sets in humour goes to a strange place oh yeah and uh, at some point someone suggested that we should n- name our company Horsey in the Hedge and um, 
we sort of like broke down into laughter and it stuck and then we realised we were screwed because we couldn't come up with anything better so <laughs> here we are like 15 years later or whatever it is and uh, we're like dealing with all these like you know corporate clients who are just like what 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 is it horse in the you know, horse in the bush <laughs> no horse in the hedge yeah it is what it is I love uh, thinking about the amount of work that certain things took you know at one time and then you know now that if you're using After Effects you can just use the beam tool <laughs> it's exactly you, what I was thinking about and yes. then, you, know, you sit there and you think about how holy shit I remember um, I was really inspired when I was young by the film Back to the Future 2 now like in hindsight I have a lot of problems with that film and the sequels to Back to the Future pretty much but Back to the Future 2 I was always and I still do I've always been in awe of, of the way it was made and uh, just the, the techniques and stuff. And so I was always fascinated with doing split screens. Totally. Like, that was my thing. Like, you know, I mean, lightsabers and stuff and laser blasts are cool and I love that stuff. But for me, I was always like, I wanted to do split screens. I loved the idea of um, having to rehearse, you know, one guy on one half of the screen, interacting with the other guy and making sure the timing was correct and stuff. And I remember how I had to do them. Like, had I had After Effects at the time and could have done these, like, elaborate masks and stuff, it would have been so much easier. And I remember I was using this, like, shitty version of Avid. It was, like, this basic one that was on the Mac in, like, the late 90s, I think. Or, and um, I had to do, like, a wipe, you know, like a like a transition, transition wipe. Transition, yeah. And there was no way to freeze the wipe. <laughs> so I would literally, like, do the wipe, and I could slow it down. So it would start to do a split screen. Then I would have to, like, basically edit so that I take the portion of the video oh, that's not cutting out one of the two guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... You're hardcore, dude. That's serious dedication right there. But it's fun, right? I mean, so there's this... You know, there's this aspect of the fun of having problems. Yeah. I think you need constraints, right? I mean, if you have, like, infinite ability and control... It paralyzes you. You don't know what the hell to do. And it's just, like... I, I, I just think that constraints are a good thing for creativity. And it is fun to kind of walk around them, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Like, you know, it's like at the same time frustrating, but then it's a solution to solve. And then you've got the satisfaction of going like, hey, I fucking figured it out. I mean, that's why, you know, everyone's always bitching about the Star Wars prequels and stuff. It's just because it's with free reign to do everything. Then you end up with such stupid things where just like back in the day, if they tried to make Jar Jar, it would have been like, ah, this costume's not working. And like, all right, let's fucking ditch this shitty character. (laughs) Totally, dude. Have you seen the new one? Yeah, I've seen it twice. I just saw it again yesterday. We've got to be careful because LW hasn't seen oh, it. Oh, okay. No, I won't. Well, here's what I'll say. I'm actually going to do a mort. Is moratorium the word on spoilers? Yes. Uh, because even though this episode won't air until sometime in January, I'm not going to be a dingus and, and spoil, even though everyone will know. But to be fair, I know people are annoyed that there's like spoilers out there. But when you watch the film, it sort of does everything you think it's going to do. So when those moments happen, it's not surprising. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a there's things that happen, and when they do, you're not going like, oh, I don't see where this is going. Like, it's it's very clearly yeah. laid out where it's going. For, for me, the one thing they got, the one thing that I want to say about that film is just the tone was was right. You know, I, I kind of sat there from beginning to end, and they're kind of an enjoyable days that that can can only be brought on by that kind of nostalgia. You know, coupled with like them actually kind of 
recapturing a lot of it quite well. Oh yeah, no, it's. Uh, I was very happy. I think the bottom line is, despite all the, pro- I mean, I have problems with it. I can be a nitpicking dingus if I want to, but uh, yeah. I th- shall we do that? <laughs> I think that ultimately, I left the f- the movies happy and excited to see more Star Wars, which is what yeah. the prequels never did yeah, exactly. to me. And that's the most important thing. So, like, I I felt. I, I wanted to see it again. Like it's been like like four or five years since I've seen a movie in the theater where I was like, I need to go back to the theater to see this again. Yeah. And so that's that to me is all I could ask for. So even though I have problems with it, and there's things that I would have done differently, and blah blah blah. Anybody I see on the internet going like, oh, it was okay, fuck, you know, like I don't like it or whatever. I'm like, fuck you, you grump. You're a fucking grump. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you walk out of the movie and you're not happy, you're grumpy, grump grump man <laughs> sorry it's, it's very early that guy early. sucks man grump grump man He's the worst. <laughs> listen uh let's let's uh, listen to another song uh this is a track called tech noir and uh and we'll be back with uh, half an hour more star wars talk so this is uh tech noir with but <laughs> with gunship tech noir by gunship
was the last man in nuclear. Eighth <laughs> in nuclear. <laughs> I forget. All right. And, uh, and that was Tech Noir by Gunship. And I am back with the gentleman from Gunship. Hello. And uh, we were just talking about Star Wars movie. So uh, we're not going to do spoilers, but uh, was the general consensus is everyone was happy who saw it? Uh, yeah, awesome, man. Like a six-year-old child. Yeah, and I, you know what? I liked it even better the second time because I saw it again. And uh, the anticipation of those moments, because I was sitting with a buddy of mine, knowing the moments that were going to, you know, be exciting and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Watching it through other people's eyes is always yeah fun. I'm going to take my my little boy to it next week, and I'm really excited about watching it through eyes. My son's five, and although he's starting to understand things, like he he gets you know the plots of shows and stuff now, he's still can't really sit still for two hours in a movie theater i took him to see ant-man and uh like he likes the previews you know because they're like (laughs) these short little exciting movies and then after a while it just was like wrestling trying to keep him in the seat more training required man more training my my kid's five too i think i think he's gonna handle it i'm hoping is it too scary though that's what i'm worried about i don't know because i mean i I, it depends though i show my son like i don't show him r-rated stuff but we watch um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know he plays games and uh like you know like teen rated games and stuff like he plays infamous on the playstation and he's seen the other star wars movies and he loves the game the new game and uh we watch the flash and like the in the second season of the flash like the villain's kind of scary because he's like this evil looking flash with like a black costume and yeah yeah my son just loves the scene where this dude like just beats the shit out of the flash and breaks his back and then like carries his body around and shows it to all the people in the city about how like how he's worthless as a hero or whatever and he just always wants to see that scene (laughs) and he's just like just like let's watch the scene where zoom wins daddy i'm like all right so then we watch it again so parenting on beyonce (laughs) (laughs) this is this thing i I have this conversation with people you know like these parents because a lot of parents are very overprotective now and and i am you know in a real way but when it comes to like entertainment you know they're always like oh we got to shelter them from this and that and kids love scary stuff like that's what gets him the most interested and focused you know like he can watch a kid show and he and he still likes all the kid shows like they have this weird idea that you know a, a kid watches an adult show or movie and is somehow going to like they're not going to be kids anymore and they still are you see them on the playground they're still saying the same shit you said when you were 5 they're running around playing the same games and yet you know at home he can play like a PlayStation 4 and he then he'll go watch Peppa Pig like it doesn't you know like he can still appreciate those kid things he still likes sesame street but he also likes cannibal holocaust (laughs) (laughs) he'll sit there and watch a show and be like not that interested and then i put on like a doctor who episode that had these like the weeping angels villains which are pretty scary for kids and he was totally interested like he doesn't give a shit like i love doctor who he doesn't give a fuck but the second he saw something that was like scary then he starts asking me all these questions and he becomes more interested because kids like i think it's good for them i mean i'm not talking about fucking showing him terminator one or whatever and going like oh this is the part where he murders that lady at her door (laughs) uh why well he got the name wrong he thought it was the wrong girl and what you know like it's hard to explain those things like oh this dude's getting his face isn't that ironic yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's time to teach give my son a lesson in irony you see her name is also sarah (laughs) o'connor 
Anyway, but um, so this song Tech Noir, which we listened to about 15 minutes ago, who's uh, who's who's the old man giving the uplifting speech at the beginning of the song? Ah, uh-huh. it's Mr. John Carpenter. So how did that happen? And are you familiar with the UK comedy show uh, called Brassai? Yes, although I've. I've seen like one. I know what it is. Maybe you could you could just play this clip for us now, which is like Jeff boycotts hints and tips for getting out of bed. This is like our running it's gag about, how about trying to things. do anything with gunship. We basically got out of bed. I didn't get runs by slacking. I worked hard. I grafted. I practiced. I did it as well as I could properly. So when you get up in the morning, what do you do? You get out of bed properly. And that means all the way out of it. Get right out of the bed. No half measures. You must get your whole body out of the bed, right out from under the sheets, right off the mattress until you're standing up. You won't get anywhere slouching about half out of bed. Do you seriously think the people here wouldn't notice if you were only half out of the bed? Come on, wise up. Did I walk out to bat when I was half asleep or half out of bed? Of course not. I bloody well didn't. Remember, the best technique is to look at that bed and then try and get as far away from it as possible. We just asked him. Yeah. Basically. What, like, so you, what, you found his manager or whatever? Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of, um, you know, internet sleuthing, a little bit. Yeah, it was just, we just reached out and, you know, told him a lot about what we were trying to do, gave him, like, a potted history of us, and um, obviously, like, we are all, you know, huge Carpenter fans. You know, a day went past and then suddenly there was an email back, uh, you know, and it was just one of those moments where you just had to kind of, like, lie down on the floor for a bit and contemplate the universe. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he was coming back to us with questions like, you know, this... Cause, like, first of all, like, as Carpenter fans, like, having to write a script for him was, like, you know, pretty mind-blowing. And then, like, he would come back and be like, well... You know how how do you want this read? Like, what's your direction on it? And we would, of course, feed him references from his own movies back. Like, can you do this in the style of McCready from The Thing? You know, like when he's leaving the tape recording or whatever. And like, I think he he really dug the you know, like our kind of like encyclopedic knowledge of his stuff. And um, it was like totally painless. And like, it was obviously no money was exchanged either. And I think that was also absolutely incredible because. I mean, where else are you going to find a veteran of an industry like that that would be prepared to to do that for someone that you know, you know, on the artistic merit alone? Like, right. that just speaks volume about his character. And yeah, he was just like, I hope you don't mind, boys. That uh, you know, I've done it a little bit longer than than you uh, requested. And we were just like, fuck, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man. And yeah, just uh, slapped it in. I mean, we originally had this uh, this sample from Class of '99 at the beginning, and we tried to get clearance on that sample, and, and we ultimately found out it was owned by Lionsgate. Lionsgate yeah, so we we rang up Lionsgate, and we're like, "Well, can can we license this sample?" And, and Lionsgate were like, "Do we own that movie?" <laughs> so we had to tell them that they owned it, and then they went and did a whole lot of research, and then came back with some ridiculous figure, even though they didn't even know they owned it um, until we prompted them. So. That's how we went from, you know, not having a sample intro. And we're like, well, who's the coolest person we could possibly conceive of to, like, do this? And yeah, it just... Yeah, that was the kind of amazing thing, because we, we were just sitting around, like, uh, we've just lost our kind of original sample. Now we need something completely new, and now it's just, like, make a list. And John Carpenter was right 
at the top of that list. And so to actually get him was just unbelievable. I believe there was an Andy's. Andy there was an Andy's in that, involved in that pile yeah. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that text, dude? I was like, sorry. We, yeah, some other guys come up. And that was the day that Carpenter came back and said he was going to do it. So I, I apologize, dude. Well, that's, you know, when you get bumped, it's nice when you get bumped for... Uh, JC. John Carpenter. Yeah, so yeah, because yeah, I think you did send me and you were, you were looking for uh, for for voiceover stuff. And uh, Well, I ended up doing what? I did a voiceover for one of your ads, right? Yeah, the cassette promo. And you, and you nailed it, man. Thank you yeah, so much for fun. doing that. Because it was like, it was another one of those <clears> things like... It's the, it's the whole gunship getting out of bed thing again. Like, when you collaborate with people, it's like, often people are a little slow, um, particularly when it's, like, on artistic merit, merit alone. Mm. And I think I, I think I sent that request to you, like, at, like, I don't know, 12. And, you know, I got a message back for you from, like, at, like, 12, 20, and you'd done it. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> here you go. Like, fuck, this guy doesn't fuck around. Like, that's, and when that happens, it's, it's so awesome refreshing so thank you dude oh no problem i think i wasn't uh, busy that day but unlike john carpenter i did ask for 500 pounds <laughs> we're not gonna eat this christmas but it was worth it <laughs> talk to me um about the track uh, fly for your life well, how about this let's listen to the track fly for your life and then we'll uh, we'll talk about it we own the sky
And that was Fly for Your Life by Gunship. And I am still joined by the uh, the three members of Gunship, Dan, Alex, and Alex. But those two Alexes have different last names. So talk to me about this this track. Uh, was this the same female singer as the other one? No, this was a different female singer. She's called Stella LePage. Yeah, she's really cool. And, and so this was the fir- this was the first song that um, that we actually wrote for Gunship. When we start, Dan and I started a, a, a new musical project probably two two or three years ago, um, and there, we, we probably wrote maybe ten or fifteen songs, electronic songs that ended up being actually scrapped when we found this kind of new direction of more uh, a retro kind of eighties sound. Um, so we we scrapped all these old songs, but this one kind of made the made the cut and stayed we kind of reworked it slightly added some more kind of tones retro tones into it and um, and yeah it, it became the first song that we released because it was the, actually the first song we finished in the music video there's this sort of 3D animation of like a dog fight going on that's right yeah. now was that from something else or was that yeah. made for the video like what where did that come from well the situation there was is that this is a Polish company their post-production company called Platige Platige yeah I was speaking to him this morning actually and I had a dude on the phone who's like, I kept saying Platige and he was like Platige <laughs> <laughs> fuck fucked it up for years we, we had done some scoring for a, um, a friend of ours called Gregor Jonkatis that's how yeah I struggled with the <laughs> enunciation and also Bastian Koch yeah, they had collaborated on a film called The Third Letter, which I think is up on Vimeo, and, and we'd worked on the score for that. And Gregor's kind of parent company was Platike, and he had a pal there called Damien Neno, who um, is the guy that actually made that animation. Its original um, form is called Paths of Hate, uh, and it was a short, and um, I think it was Oscar nominated, yeah. So the second that came out, I saw it, and I was like, this is the most incredible achievement, like, amazing. We have to try and like do something with because we'd written half a song at that point you know and it had some the ideas were kind of more around Al and I were really obsessed with Spitfire books at the time and we had read Fly for Your Life and a whole bunch of other like World War 2 Air Ace pilot related stuff yeah that's the funny thing because we'd started writing this song kind of loosely based about a Spitfire pilot called Stanford Tuck and then suddenly Dan found this animation which was a dogfight which was bizarre a bizarre coincidence wasn't it yeah so, I mean that we reached out at that point and we see if, to see if we could do a deal with those guys and um, you know like at the second we reached out was the second it got Oscar nominated and, and at that point like it was just shut down for completely so that delayed us a long time and we just you know it, it just happened to work out that we had that first track finished I think it was about a year later we tried one more time to get I remember lessons. sitting I remember like looking back through some of the old stuff and then I, I rewatched it and I just said to Dan you know, dude, you've got to try again on this because, like, this is. Like, yeah. They basically. Right. I mean, I feel like you guys were half done with the song, but then that video really kind of informed the rest of it. Yeah, that right. That's right. Dude. So yeah, and then he that that was like a year later, and um, and then they were actually amenable to selling the rights. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen the actual original short. Did you guys change the way it was cut, or is that pretty much? Yeah, Dan completely no. re-edited it. Yeah, completely, completely re-edited. It was like a 10, 15 minute short film before okay okay but I think that was one of the most pleasurable edits I ever did like it was just fun from the first cut I mean seriously like Damien like what he did there I mean he did all of that I think the great majority of it by himself over the course of years I think and like I still watch it and I'm like holy shit this is amazing 
Yeah, no, it's, it fucking looks awesome. I guess we also glossed over, um, and I guess that's me because it's my responsibility to keep on track, but uh, we didn't talk about the music video for Tech Noir, which was the uh, the Claymation one. Yeah. Who was responsible for, for that? Because obviously that's a, a fun video full of like a ton of 80s references. and This stuff. is another example of like us trying to make a live action video and then realizing that we didn't have the budget for it. And trying to find some other medium that, that we can kind of do it in. Um, and so, you know, this is an example where we had kind of had a slightly different treatment and we'd kind of been working at it and maybe it's like fallen through like twice uh, with various directors trying to get a live action version off the ground. Um, and we'd always been kind of aware of Lee Hardcastle, who's this kind of Leeds based animator who's got a big kind of YouTube channel and um, always been aware of his stuff, been big fans. And so we just thought, you know, here's an opportunity to go into like another medium, work with someone else who's awesome. And a lot of our thinking is just like, who can we collaborate with, who we admire, and we can kind of like, kind of spark off each other and kind of like come to something original. So yeah, we just got in touch with him and um, basically took it from there. He's a really, really cool guy. Awesome, very laid back kind of dude, very talented. And yeah, are we, I think we started the treatment on that one and sent him over the first one. And he sent us something, and there was a lot of... Yeah, we cross-developed it with him. Yeah, mutual kind of thinking without having discussed it, which was quite interesting. And, yeah, it came together, like, the concept and the treatment came together quite quickly, maybe, like, one or two days. There there was a period where it nearly fell through because of the scale of the idea, and it freaked him out, because it's a huge undertaking to build all these characters Mm -hmm. in clay, and let alone, like, animate them frame by frame afterwards for two minutes. Yeah, Yeah, another classic case of us trying to um, you know be too so ambitious. we kind of pleaded it him and like put our heads together and kind of scale it back a little bit but he still ended up like going out of his way uh, and uh, above and beyond above like, and beyond yeah we i mean we we had like you know this thing was going to be like the apocalypse now of uh plasticine animations <laughs> at the point where we had the kind of finished treatment and uh, so we just were forced to scale it back which is kind of but i think like it became a bit more in a way, it's a bit more intimate when you... Yeah, it goes back to what Andy was saying earlier about restricted yeah, you know, exactly, restrictions being exactly. breeding creativity. Like, uh, that was another good example of, like, you can't actually do all this insane shit. You've got plans, so let's, like, really pare it down. But, yeah, the moment when we had the uh, the idea of, like, dudes, you know, coming out of VHS tapes, which then Lee changed into, like, the insertion of the, the VHS tapes. Like, yeah, we, originally we he was going to have a sack of VHS tapes, um, and he was going to throw them on the ground, and they were going to, like explode into the characters so there'd be like an army of the characters rather than he was changing into the characters how many months in advance then were all these videos being prepped because i feel like i mean going back to the beginning when i said you know there's sort of like this gunship kind of came out of the gate and was just like there was these videos that were coming out pretty quickly one after another and they were all these videos that looked like a lot of time had been spent on them so part of that was like oh these dudes are collaborating with so many other people right now in order to do this so like when did the plan start for all of these videos like M- months in advance it always feels like it's never gonna like come to fruition when you when you're working on these because we the budgets are so low and the concepts we're trying to push things as far as possible and it's like always you always feel like it's on the brink of just completely falling apart so we usually had like sort of two or three things on the go at, at a time just just because we thought they were all going to fail and we needed at least one. You know, the guys that we work with, I mean, we try and pick people who are like super, um, you know, ambitious and kind of driven. So they tend to like push things forward and they kind of grow into something a little bit bigger. And it's just that and 
just always pushing. Yeah, yeah we did. Uh, there's one time where we did have we, two videos were being made simultaneously uh, what, for the mountain and for Revel. They, that we've had them both yeah. being made at the same time, so that sped up the process. And then and Technoir probably took about eight weeks. About eight weeks. Yeah, it was eight, eight, eight weeks to make that. Yeah, it's also like keeping your powder dry or like keeping it in your pants <laughs> you finish the tracks and you're like as an artist you want to put it out and, and see if people like it and hopefully they do but like I guess what I was saying like we really try really hard with every element of gunship when it comes you know the packaging and the art and the videos and everything so like once you get done with the music then like the real work starts you know like and then you got to just just hold on tight until all that other stuff is ready because yeah. well, I mean our whole like marketing and you know, a, a strategy was is purely based on 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 videos because we have no other way of promoting it and getting it out there and getting it heard. You know, we ha- we haven't been able to tour it or anything to get it to new ears, and so we we had to make the videos as good as we could in order for Gunship to like to make a, a some kind of splash. And uh, so I think that's been our main kind of yeah. It was trying a- to come up with good ideas to kind of make up for lack of money to spend on marketing. Really, yeah. It was a brutal a brutal year, man. A, a lot of hours in on to, to all of them but it's the stuff that I've, I'm most proud of I think just artistically of all the projects that we've been involved in over the years I think this one is you know the one that's been most satisfying well I think it's okay too <laughs> <laughs> hey let's uh let's listen to another track this is a track called Maximum Black by Gunship
And that was Maximum Black by Gunship. And uh, I'm still uh, joined by the members of Gunship. We've all had a lot of fun today. We're going we're gonna to wind down. You see, it goes by so quick, especially when I do all the talking. We, there's so much shit we haven't got into yet. Well, let's talk about... We'll talk about this song in a second, but I wanted to talk about that uh, Commodore 64 promotion you did, the the custom C64. So how did that happen? We actually got approached by some dude called Jed, who has like a little label that manufactures cassettes for bands. He did he did like the Prodigy and stuff like small small numbers, small number runs. But he got in touch, and it's actually his idea to suggest like putting a C64 game on one side. So we thought that was a really cool idea and. Uh, and so can't steal his thunder on that on that idea, but but that that sparked the kind of idea of like running this competition to add a bit of promotion to the whole to the whole jazz. Um, so we bought a C64 and wrecked it and sprayed it pink. <laughs> <laughs> Probably loads of people out there thinking like uh, we're pretty you know sacrilegious for spraying a C64 pink. But. Was was Commodore big in Canada, dude? My brother had one, but you know if you're talking about sacrilege, I've got like a bunch of smashed ones in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Strange rituals. Yeah, like because uh, I I rip things apart for the circuits so that I can build props and like I have no use for a Commodore sixty four. Like, fuck, well, you didn't win the Commodore sixty four, dude. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the first thing I would have done. We'd have a, a pink armor plated robot out of it. Sweet, some free circuits, just fucking rip it in half. No, the um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. Like my brother had the system; he was older than me, and and I would sort of come to his room and, and play when he was gone. And there were some funny games because like, back in the day you could copy the games so easily. So yeah, man. I think I think anybody who ever had a Commodore sixty four also had like that disc box full of you know blank discs with their own homemade labels. Yep, it's all about X copy, man. X X copy was the tool of choice for piracy. And then there was uh, yeah, and then there was like a cartridge that could make the game go faster. There was like a speed cartridge and uh, Samantha Fox's strip poker. I remember there's a there's a game. Uh, I feel like I've talked about this before because it always makes me laugh. There was this game called Stroker. <laughs> Wait, is that Stroke Stroke Her or Stroker? No, Stroker because it's about jerking off. Like the game was just this hand on a dink, and then you just had to move the Epix joystick like up and down, and then like at the end of it, like it would like, you'd win or whatever. But I was so young, I didn't understand the game. Like, I remember when I played, I'm just like, what, what's this shit shooting out of the dink at the end? Like, I didn't get it. Because uh, there was, like, these kind of circles. And then I always got rotten. Like, I didn't even do it right. Because it would say you you, you, were, you were scored between good, bad, and rotten. And I never, I wasn't good at it. You needed, you needed more practice. Is that how you learned? If I played that fucking game now, man, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, that's what I liked about uh, Commodore Spy Hunter. I remember it had a really terrible port of Golden Axe. Oh, yeah. Just awful. But yeah, that's that's the Commodore. So you've got this game that you had made. No, no, it was one of... If we went back in time, we commanded Jeff Minter to write it. Yeah, it was an, an existing game. Yeah, Jeff Minter's the guy. He's like... The history of, of games is a little, I guess... It's different in Europe because, I mean, Commodore was like a really big thing. After the ZX Spectrum... Well, actually, it was like the Commodore VIC-20 and then the C64... Like, the UK had its own, like, burgeoning games development scene, like, before the consoles really took hold of America. And, like, we were, like, you know, leading pioneering. that shit. Yeah, pioneering that shit, you know, right before. And, then like, and it was it's an amazing story, and there are some great documentaries on it. I think there's a documentary called, like, Bedroom. From Bedrooms to Billionaires. Yeah, exactly. Billions. And, like, 
you know, amazing. People pulled off amazing shit. You're like 20 year old kids driving around in Ferraris, you know, because they smashed a couple of Commodore 64 64 games together. And like, and then the consoles came out, and like, yeah, it was a total and utter demolition of this huge industry that was like multi million dollar. I think it's probably a boring story, but (laughs) (laughs) my childhood was riddled with Commodore shit, I guess. Like, particularly the Amiga. I mean, over here, I mean, people know what it was. It's hard for me to judge because when I was growing up, like, I was in a small town. So it's hard to judge the demographics necessarily. Like for me, I just knew it wasn't like everybody had a Commodore in the same way that everybody had a Nintendo or or a Super Nintendo. You know, like these were like sort of household things like growing up. Commodore wasn't that over here, but it was still a cool thing to play. It had a fun speech um, synthesizer. There's this program called Sam Say It. Like I remember, I remember like even playing Nintendo. I recognized that there were certain things that Commodore could do that Nintendo couldn't do. But at the end of the day, you know, playing with a controller was a, I always liked better than those stupid joysticks. They did have it on the controllers. But again, you might uh, you know say that that's sacrilege. No, I think you're right. Dude. I think you're right. So as we fucking we wind down here because we've been talking for uh, for a while. Is there anything that I that I didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? Where can we get the jerk off game? Well, I'm sure there's an emulation. The game was called Stroker, right? So I mean, like in real life, (laughs) the graphics are way better. I was playing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's too 3D. I have seen some Commodore emulations, and uh, because I just wanted to get back the games that I really liked when I played as a kid. So there's this game called Druid, and there's this Wild West game uh, called Call of the. Call of the West. I talked about it with with Dallas Campbell because he's a big Commodore guy, and and that was a cool game. And Druid. I just remember there's a lot of cool music on the Commodore. Like fucking the the song for Druid was awesome. That's yeah. another example of the you know the cons- creative constraints. You know when you've only got you know however many channels and and you've got these kind of like Sid chip for channels yeah. MIDI kind of noises, but they still to me made some of the most kind of captivating music. You know, so great melodies are great melodies, man. No, that's true. That's that's all I. That's all that matters to me. And they're still in my head, the you know, like the the fucking classics. Like they'll never, uh, they'll never die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, maybe we could ask. Like, we're gonna try and do uh, a few more collaborations, like in the future. Um, uh, we'd like to do some more collaborations with some other dudes from the scene. Um, if anyone's interested in collaborating with Gunship, then come talk to us on our Facebook. Uh, that would be cool. I will send you vocals immediately. You will be <laughs> pleasantly surprised by how good they are. Titties. Yeah. <laughs> I'll write a song right now called Gunship Titties. Well, it's, a, it's it's evocative, right? Because it gives you sort of an image of like a helicopter that's got like two boobs on the front that like shoot laser beams. Wait, who has the giant naked golden woman? Oh, that was uh, Dan Terminus. Yeah. That, yeah. That guy's got some good tunes, man. Like that. Yeah, he's from France. Oh, yeah. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Love a bit of racism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it was uh, it was fun uh, fun chatting with you. Fun to get to know you here. Gunship's great, so everyone should go listen to it. Um, I've uh, like I say, I've been listening to some of those tracks just on repeat over the past couple of days. That's what I was listening to when I went to go see Star Wars. I had the uh, Gunship on there. Nice. So, uh, anyways, guys, what's uh, what? As we're sort of like kind of the show, the show is over now. So, what oh my is, God. what is coming up? For Gunship, what what is the the future hold for Gunship? We got a, a collaboration track. Actually, it's, it's like a, it's more of a remix. Actually, it's really Gunship's first remix. We 
have taken on a cool track by um, a band called Lionface, and the track is called No Hope State. And we've kind of put some time into remixing that, and also done a video for it, which is currently being worked on. Yeah, we did the practical shoot for that. What, like three, four weeks ago? Yeah. And then, um, you know, the dude that does Carpenter Brutes videos, like uh, Silver Strain, mm-hmm. uh, he's handling some, uh, you know, this, this going huge well. kind of compositing challenge on it and he's kind of beavering away on that right now and um, yeah we're pretty jazzed about how the initial bits are looking and um, yeah I can't wait to I think that'll be the next thing that kind of comes out from Gunship I think and then we're starting to think about what the next record's going to be whether or not it'll be straight to album 2 or there'll be some other things there are some ambitious plans for, for various things that um, we've started but yeah look out for that remix and we're also in thing. the process of getting the vinyl together oh, like, yeah. we're kind of making um, a nice little vinyl collector's piece um, relating to the first album because I know there's been a lot of demand for that so. are you going to be able to like jam that into a Commodore uh, <laughs> you can try it's a laser disc really I mean <laughs> you can smash it any way you like you? <laughs> <laughs> can I use it for parts for one of my robot costumes is what I'm asking yeah this is really the only reason we're manufacturing it it's just to give you more spare parts <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun, man. You guys uh, come back on the show sometime. Thanks for having us. We'd love to, dude. So I uh, hope you guys are having a lovely new year. And it was good talking to you, man. So fucking have a good day. Thanks, you too, man. Thanks a lot, dude. Cheers, dude. Take it easy. And that was Gunship, specifically my conversation with them. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I got some great guests coming up in the new year. Check out the artist links on the SoundCloud. Uh, If you haven't already listened to Gunship, go check out their album because it's really good. They've got some great videos and uh, they are an enjoyable group of people. So I hope you guys have a lovely day. Tune in next week where we'll hear lots of great music and cool chat with... (laughs) This is me pretending I have a catchphrase. And I will also get to some mail sack questions. If you don't know what that is, people write in questions to me, uh, which you can do on the Facebook page, on the SoundCloud page, on my Twitter. Uh, you can send me a direct message. Uh, just say, uh, title the message Mail Sack. That's a sack of mail. And uh, send me a letter, and I will uh, read it on the show. And I've gotten some, and I will read them at some point. But sometimes I just got to get down to business and just get right to the interview and, uh, you know, you know, you know how it is when you're hosting the show called Beyond Synth, you know, that thing that we all do. All right, guys, have a lovely day and tune in next week for Beyond Synth.